Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen, here at the start of another week. It's Monday, or it will be Monday by the time most of you guys and girls are listening to this podcast. And I'm actually recording this just after 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night. Now, I know a lot of people will be watching The Last Dance right now, and you may think, well, that's a strange time to be recording Locked on Bucks with this uh, much-anticipated, highly-anticipated documentary dropping on Michael Jordan, obviously. In Australia, we don't get it for another six hours. They're putting it on Netflix and uh, it's, it's coming on at 5.23 p.m. I guess 5.23 is for uh, is some sort of hat tip to Jordan. I'm not too sure. But anyway, I will catch up with that a little later on today. And I might have a little bit of a controversial take about it. I'm not losing my mind over watching this documentary. I'm not sure if I said it before on this podcast, but I always get confused about the debate of who's the, who's the real GOAT or who's the best player of all time because, to me, I wasn't watching basketball during Jordan's career. So I've always been confused by the people that get really animated and really defensive about saying Jordan is the best, Jordan is the best of all time. If you weren't watching the games and living through that, that era, you can always go back and watch highlights and I've watched my fair share of documentaries and highlights and interviews and I read stuff and you can go off that. But I always think you have to live through that and experience what that meant to you and what he meant to the game. For that reason, I'm looking forward to watching the documentary because I think there'll be lots to learn. But I just never really get involved in the whole GOAT, goat debate. To me, LeBron James, clearly the best basketball player that, that I've ever seen and I've lived through the influence he's had on the game and what he's been able to achieve still to this day. But I can't really definitively say he's better than Jordan or Jordan's better than LeBron because I don't really know. So that's my maybe unpopular take in regards to all this. But I I certainly think it's going to be a a really interesting uh, thing to watch over the next few weeks as it drops. Uh, As for the podcast, some of you may have seen over the weekend, unfortunately, for, for those that don't know, and maybe new listeners, I generally do some freelance work with ESPN Australia and also NBA.com. Unfortunately, due to circumstances, and I'm certainly not alone in this, I have lost that work and now I'm down to the podcast. The podcast is all I have left. And it's, it's kind of funny. I've been thinking about this a lot over the weekend because, you know, when I made the, the change from the career I was in, working in oil and gas, the tradesman, to wanting to chase this career in the media, I spoke to a lot of people that are in the business and ask them for their advice and opinions and thoughts on what I should do. And almost to a man, every single person told me, just be very careful what you're doing because the thing with sports media is you never have job security. The money ain't great unless you are on TV, national TV every day. The money ain't great. Do it because it's something you really want to do. And I hope you guys have been able to tell through listening to me on this podcast and on Twitter and all the other work that I do that this is 
a true passion of mine. Unfortunately, now I'm less than two years into this path and trying to go down this track and I don't really know what to do now with myself. And I'm certainly not alone in that. There's so many people that have been affected by this. So I really just wanted to say that I hope everyone's doing well and managing through this. It is going to get better. Someone on the weekend on Twitter said, I love your positivity. And well, I think that you have to stay positive and you have to understand that things are going to get back. And I just hope that everyone that listens to this podcast is doing well, is able to stay positive and look to the future and hope that things are going to get better. So I just wanted to say that. I wanted to check in on everyone and make sure uh, everyone is doing well. But as for the podcast, it is going to keep rolling. We have switched into off-season mode across the network, which means generally there would be only three podcasts per week. Now, at the moment, I'm still going to be trying to roll out five a week as long as I can keep getting guests, as long as we can keep having content that's going to be interesting for you guys uh, to bring forward. So as always, still hit us up with all your ideas, your thoughts. I've certainly had a lot of people you know, message me, get into, slide into the DMs and have suggestions for different guests in recent weeks for those that maybe missed some episodes and want to go back and catch up with that Brian Anderson, Jim Paschke, Michael Hunt, the former Bucks reporter from the 2001 season. That was a really fun chat. Uh, George Carl obviously was huge for the podcast. Darvin Ham, former Bucks player and assistant coach now. And also last week we had Dr. Dave as well, which was such a fun chat to hear his passion and his history of being a Bucks fan. So I can assure you that if there's anyone that you're thinking whether I have contacted to try and get on the podcast, I probably have. I'm definitely annoying a lot of people right now with all my requests and constant emails trying to get people on board. So I can assure you, I'm doing my best to, to make sure this podcast keeps rolling. But uh, look look uh, ahead to, to some of the guests we've got. Alex Lazary, Senior Vice President of the Bucks, is back on tomorrow. He was on earlier in the season. So we'll get a little catch up with him tomorrow so we can find out what's going on with the Bucks. All the inside knowledge from him how the Bucks are looking at this as an organization and what are the next steps moving forward. So Alex will be back on and we certainly appreciate that. But for today's podcast, I am solo if you didn't realize, and I want to go into a top five moments for me this season. This took me a little while to go through. There were so many great moments for me personally that I look back on and remember being uh, amazed, impressed, excited about during the season so i've narrowed it down to five i've cheated a little bit some of these you could probably say are two but i'm gonna start getting to this straight after the break my top five that see if you agree all right locked on bucks top five moments this season and i can't take credit for frank I've taken over this and I'm doing this myself. So, uh, you know, any complaints, any disagreements, please send them my way. I want to have an honorable mention before I get started. And I couldn't put this in the top five. But I remember the last game the Bucks played in Denver. I'm sure all you guys remember at the time, we were more concerned with the honest knee and what was moving forward for the Bucks. They just lost back-to-back games, obviously, against the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. And they go into Denver. And nobody plays. Their starting lineup was really the, the bench mob. But I really enjoyed this game. And I, I couldn't put it in my top five because I, there was too many other great moments. But I, I remember tweeting at the time, this was almost as much fun as I've had watching the game. 
all season because you could see the passion, you could see the fire from these guys that you know don't always get a lot of opportunities to play, and they were coming up against a really good Denver team that was basically a full strength. And right up until the fourth quarter, they were right in the game. In the end, they were outmatched with Talon, and Denver were able to pull away. Always a tough place to play at altitude on a back-to-back. But I wanted to mention that game because you know none of us thought at the time that that was going to be the last game that we would watch the Bucks play for an extended period of time. But it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, they lost it. The Bucks still hold this three-game losing streak now that we, you know, we, we hope they get a chance to move out of when the season restarts. But I wanted to mention that game because that was a lot of fun. But let's get to number five. And for me, it's opening night in Houston. This game, uh, you, know, you, you think about all the anticipation coming into a brand-new season. And the Bucks had really, really sky-high expectations. We know that. They came into this game against the Rockets, another team that is expected to do big things during the season. And the Bucs were adding some new pieces. We know that Robin Lopez was on the roster. He came off the bench and played 16 minutes. Kyle Corver played 15 minutes. And at that point, we didn't really know what his role was going to be with this team. There was certainly some speculation that, uh, you know, would he play? How much of a role would he have on a nightly basis? He played big minutes in this one. But the big one, replacing Malcolm Brogdon with Wesley Matthews in the starting lineup. This is one of the first things I remember from this game is watching Wesley Matthews guard James Harden. And we've seen, you know, Eric Bledsoe and this team defense that the Bucs have do such a great job uh, since Mike Budenholzer came in. The Wesley Matthews was tasked with the job a lot of the time of defending James Harden, and he did a fantastic job. And I think for early indications of what his role was going to be and what he could potentially bring because we didn't really know you bring him in on a minimum contract he's a veteran guy certainly lost a step over the last few years you wonder how much of a loss is this going to be for the Bucks when you take out Malcolm Brogdon you saw the first signs that he was going to be the role player that the Bucks wanted him to be he wasn't going to come in and try and take over the offense but he also had a pretty good impact hit a couple of threes on the night, finished with 14.6 or 12 from the field. So Wesley Matthews is someone I think of when I think about this night. I then, of course, think about the fourth quarter. Giannis fouls out with 5.18 left in the game. The Bucks are up 101.95 at this point. And this is a really nervous period now for the Bucks. You have to go over five minutes on the road on opening night. You know the home crowd in, in Houston is jacked up, ready to carry this team to victory. And the Bucks were able to withstand it. And the, and the Rockets come out, they close the gap to 101-100, so they score four points, the next four points after Giannis fouls out. And then Chris Middleton hits a big three, and from there, Brooke Lopez and their son, and Isova carry the offense. And you can see, it took the Bucs a little, little bit of time to figure out what they were trying to do. They were floundering a little bit. You don't want to start 0-1. We know they lost the second game uh, to Miami, but you don't want to start the season 0-1. And I think we saw the championship pedigree of this team very early under adversity their ability for other guys to step up. Brooke Lopez, as I mentioned, was huge in this one down the stretch. And the other guy, Ersan Uisover, as I mentioned, 13 points, 11 rebounds. He hit the ceiling jump shot in this one with just a few seconds left. But uh, Giannis, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists in just 28 minutes. And this uh, ended up being... A bit of a precursor for what we were going to see through the rest of the season. So I was still in Australia at the time. And it was so strange. You know, I got so used to covering games and being at 
the arenas and it's a different sort of vibe in this one i was a fan and i was enjoying it and i was getting fired up at home here in australia watching the game it was on national tv uh the bucks a really impressive win that that one stands out for me yes the rockets were figuring things out it was the first real time they had westbrook and harden together but i think anytime you lose your mvp with that much time remaining on the road the game gets tight and you find a way to work your way through it. This, again, was just a great sign that this Bucks team was or is as good as what we think they are. Now, number four, and this one might surprise people a little bit. Number four, I actually went with a game that the Bucks lost. Now, that might surprise some people that I would pick this game, but it was memorable for a number of reasons. And this is a game where the Bucks lost to the Utah Jazz, 103-100. You remember how this game ended with a Boyan Bogdanovich three-pointer at the buzzer, and we'll get to that. But who remembers how bad this first half was? The Bucs go in at halftime, trailing 55-35. to 35. 35 points they scored in the first half. The even more incredible thing was Giannis Two points at halftime, 0 for 7 from the field. He was stifled uh, every time he went to the basket. Nothing could go for him. 0 for 7 from the field. You just do not see that from Giannis Adetokounmpo. So they're down 20 on the road. You think, well, okay, this, this game is, is an absolute dud. I, I don't know if I can watch this. Remember, the Bucks haven't won in Utah for a long, 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 long time. Ray Allen was a buck the last time Milwaukee won in that building. But then Giannis, the third quarter, and this this was one of the more dominant stretches I remember from him. We've seen him do this against Utah and other occasions, funnily enough. He really enjoys the matchup with Gobert, and this uh, so often stout Utah defense, once Giannis gets rolling against them, they're unable to slow him down. Giannis had 21 points and six rebounds in the third quarter. He was seven of eight from the field. And a guy that was overlooked somewhat in this one, Eric Bledsoe, 10 points, four assists in the third quarter as well. And the Bucs are now trailing 81 to 74. So all of a sudden, we have a game on the road. The question was, how much does Giannis have in the tank? Can he continue to lead this charge and lead this comeback? Because on this day, he was the guy that they needed to be the man. And he did in that third quarter with the 21 points. Chris Middleton, funnily enough, had a pretty good game in this one. Yes, he was only 8 for 22 from the field, but he did have 26 points, 11 rebounds. We'll get to him a little bit more. But Middleton was the guy early in this game when no buck could make a shot. He was the one hitting from the outside. He finished 5 for 8 on the game. The Bucs were 6-2 and two heading into this one. They dropped to 6-3. and three. But late in the fourth quarter, again, this will be a game that many people will remember, but Chris Middleton hits two clutch free throws Draws the foul on a loose ball foul on Rudy Gobert. Goes to the free throw line. Ties the game up at 100-100. And then you remember the George Hill, George Hill steal that miraculously gave the Bucs a shot at winning. And then they went to that corner set that we always see. They tried to get the ball into the, the, the near corner to Chris Middleton for an open look from three. Uh, he got completely tied up by the Utah defense and ended up being called for a travel. The absolute worst situation you could possibly have. He needed to get rid of the ball, throw it in the air, throw it against his opponent, do anything, do not come down with the ball. Unfortunately, he did, and it gave Utah a chance. And Middleton was caught sleeping a little bit, and Bogdanovich hits the three and wins the game. And unfortunately, the streak for the Bucks continues. But 
you know, in, in terms of top five memorable moments or memorable games, this one is still right up there for me. The, the performance from Giannis in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, he finished with 30 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, two steals. To have 30 points when you only had two, two at the half is obviously pretty impressive. And again, these games, well, these two teams have had a pretty good history now of having games that have gone down to the wire. And this one, while frustrating that the Bucks didn't win, it's still right up there for me in terms of the memorable moments this season. Well, I want to now you bring some positivity back to Chris Middleton's name. And this is the 50-point game comes in at number three for me. The Bucks beat the Wizards 151-131, a ridiculous scoreline. And you know what's interesting to me, and I wonder how other people feel about this. I heard certainly some conjecture after this game that, you know, 50 points against the Wizards, you know, kind of maybe counts for only 40 points against a normal NBA team. We know that the Wizards was, uh, let's just say, defense optional, to say the least. There's no doubt about that. There were some absolutely insane scores that they played through the season. But the Bucks win this one, 151-131. Chris Milton finishes with 51 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. He was 16 for 26 from the field, 7 for 10 from three-point land, and 12 for 12 from the free-throw line. Some other big performance in this one, unfortunately, for Eric Bledsoe. Again, he's been overshadowed in this one. 34 points, 10 assists. And Bradley Beal for the Wizards had 47. Remember, he had a 50-point game against the Bucks in Washington a little bit later on in the season, which was also a big night for Chris Milton. He had another 40 in that one. The game went to the overtime and the Bucks win. But, uh, you know, this game for Chris Milton. Remember, no Giannis coming in. We always talk about Milton's ability to step up when Giannis doesn't play. He's made... He's got good history with doing that, I should say. I mean, this is something that he's consistently done, being able to get the ball in his hands and take over the scoring and take over that number one lead role. It's one thing we always appreciate about Chris Middleton is his ability to play within the offense under normal circumstances. He's unselfish. He understands Giannis is the man. On this night, he took, he took it on, and it was unbelievable to watch. His second quarter in particular, he had 19 points, six for six from the field, three for three from three-point land. And I remember sitting there watching this display and some of those shots in the third quarter were incredible. I mean, you talk about heat jacks. He was just rolling into those threes that we know he loves to take those pull-up threes in transition. Nothing but net. He couldn't miss. It was an incredible display. He had 28 points at the half. But one of the interesting numbers when I look at this game for Chris Middleton, 12 for 12 from the free-throw line on this one, he never gets to the free-throw line this much. And the reason he was able to get to 50 arguably was his ability to get to the line during the third quarter. He was only two for six in the third quarter, but he still had 10 points to get take him up to 38 because he was five for five from the free throw line. So we already mentioned the fact that he went 12 for 12 overall, but his ability to get to the line, draw contact, draw fouls, have the Washington Wizards defenders out of position, off their feet. We know he's one of the best in the league at getting the, the pump fake, getting the defender up in the air, up in the air and then drawing the foul. I've said it a, a number of times this season, but this has been something that has really improved from him. And the big thing is the two-time All-Star now. He's starting to get that whistle. That was a big development for me through the season. But Chris Middleton, what a performance. And the thing I loved about this when we went back to the locker room after the game, the smiles on not only Chris Middleton's face, who couldn't keep the smile off his face. He was so happy. He was so proud of his performance and being able to put up the 50-point game. We know this is a very rare 
thing for Bucks players we've seen in recent times. Obviously, Giannis do it a couple of times. Uh, Brandon Jennings, you know, with the 55-point game, Michael Red, 57. But it doesn't happen a lot, particularly for Milwaukee Bucks players. So uh, for, for Chris Middleton to see how proud he was and see how happy his teammates were. Giannis wasn't playing, but we know he, he had that hilarious photo with the uh, Middleton holding up the 51 sign. I mean, these guys just love playing with each other. They love each other's success. And for me, what happened after this game and being in the locker room and seeing how excited everyone was for Chris was uh, made this a, an extremely memorable night. The Bucks moved to 41-6 and six after the win. Chris Milton, 50-point game. I'm not sure that we predicted that would have happened through the start of the season, but it brings me to number two, a guy that we did think was going to have a 50-point game. Giannis Adetokounmpo, 50 points. And he's done this a couple of times now in his career, but this one again against Utah, 50 points, 14 boards, six assists. The Bucs win this game 122 to 118. And I think this is why this 50-point game ranks ahead of Middleton's because the game against the Wizards, the Bucs were always going to win that. The Wizards stink at defense. They aren't interested in playing defense. It's just a track, mate. But this Utah team is legitimately good. They're a playoff team. They were figuring some things out at the time. But Giannis' dominant performance again, I mean, I talk about the 29, uh, the 28-point second half he had against Utah earlier. This one, like I said, 17 for 31 from the field, 3 for 8 from 3. 13 for 19 from the free throw line. From start to finish, it was a dominant performance. And I really just never get tired of watching Giannis dominate teams. It's, for me, it's the most enjoyable thing to watch in the entire NBA right now. And in the fourth quarter, this is where Giannis really stood up with this one. As I said, this is a game the Bucks only win by four points, but 14 points, six rebounds. And maybe more importantly, we always talk about the free throw shooting five for six from the free throw line in a close game in the fourth quarter when he's already got 40 plus points. He's heading towards 50. He's fatigued. He's at the free throw line. The pressure's on. He was knocking him down. And that was a big reason why the Bucs win the game. In fact, if they don't have Giannis, they're not winning at all. Wesley Matthews had 19 points in this one, five for eight from three point land. He was also key. And then Eric Bledsoe, 13 points. This was through the stretch when Chris Milton was not playing. So uh, just a monster performance from Giannis. And again, one of those nights where you just sit back and say, hey, if you don't have an MVP on the roster, you are not winning this game. And you knew walking away from that one, I know I still remember podcasting with Frank straight after. We watched something special. And it wasn't the only big performance from Giannis this season. A couple other ones I noted down as well. He had 48 points against Dallas. Uh, this was a streak buster. Remember, the Bucks had the Lakers coming into town very shortly. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But Giannis, 48 points. They lose to the Dallas Mavericks at home. No Luka Doncic for the Mavericks. It was a, it was a strange one. Not a game the Bucs were expecting to lose, but it was through no fault of Giannis, that's for sure. And the other one I have, the 41.21 rebound game against Charlotte. It's hard if you have to narrow it down to single performances for Giannis in a season and what was the most memorable. But for me, the 50-point game against Utah is right at the top. He had another very memorable performance, like I said, that I'm going to get to. And this brings me to my number one. And I mentioned from the start that I was going to cheat a little bit. Well, I have cheated. And I don't know whether this is actually allowed. But the two wins over the LA teams in December come in at number one for me. And I want to start with the Clippers game 
And I remember this one very clearly. For both of these games, actually, I was still in Australia at the time, unfortunately. So I wasn't in the building, which, by the way, for anyone listening, I got a chance to go to those games. I'm very jealous. It was as close as I saw or I felt to a playoff atmosphere at Fireserve Forum this season. Both games are highly anticipated. I want to start with the Clippers one. The Bucks win this one, 119-91, in a complete destruction of the Clippers lineup, Clippers roster, Doc Rivers, everyone, completely obliterated. And I remember this one very clearly because it was my brother's engagement party. So I was working at the time. I was obviously covering the game, and we recorded a podcast straight after. But I had about 100 people in the backyard here celebrating. So I was sort of locked away in my home office, I guess, that I've got set up through this time. But I had it set up then for podcasting. And I remember watching the game. I was drinking beers. I was I was writing. I probably shouldn't admit that that's what I was doing, but I was. There's a party going on outside. I had to celebrate my brother's engagement. And I didn't really know what to think coming into this game. And it was very, very obvious for me right from the outset how badly the Clippers wanted this game. Defensively, I thought they did some really nice things in the Bucks early. We saw the early and quick double teams. We saw the effectiveness that Kawhi Leonard can have as not always the primary defender, but as the help guy that comes in for the double teams. His hands are so strong. He's so quick. His ability to move in there and snatch the ball or deflect a pass or just cause havoc defensively was on full display. And this game was uh, close for a while, certainly through the second quarter after the Bucks handed the Clippers an early onslaught. But the other thing, again, I mentioned him at the Houston game, but Wesley Matthews, we saw him defending Kawhi Leonard a lot. Again, this was further emphasis, and this game was in early December. But there was further emphasis on what Bud wanted from him defensively, the fact that he trusted him. And I think the big thing is you forget how big Wesley Matthews is. This is a big guy. And I didn't probably give as much credit to his ability to defend these big wings prior to seeing him play. I thought he was huge, but... Uh, defensively for the Bucks, I mean, they were fantastic. They forced the Clippers into really difficult shots. We know when the Bucks' defense is at its best, they're getting deflections, they're getting steals, they're forcing tough shots and quickly, quickly getting on the bike and turning this into transition basketball. Once this avalanche began, it did not slow down. The Bucks were up to uh, as a bigger lead as 41 points. Doc Rivers pulled his starters with over nine minutes left and the Bucks leading 101 to 67. And it was party time in the Forum. It was unbelievable. Uh, like I said, I was very jealous that I wasn't there. But this was two teams that have championship aspirations. Remember, they played a little bit earlier in the season in LA. There was no Paul George. There was no Kawhi Leonard. And the Bucks just pulled that one out. But this one was a full complement of players. Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams. Everyone was there. All the key guys for the Clippers, and the Bucks completely blew them away. You knew that this was a game that the Bucks earmarked as one that they wanted to win, but boy, was it fun. Uh, it was just unbelievable. The Bucks moved to 20-3. and three. So after a 2-2 two and two start, 20-3, and three, not too bad at all. Giannis, 27 points, 11 rebounds in this one. And I have to mention the bench contributors. Chris Middleton had 17 as well, and he had to play 25 minutes. He was 7-9 from the field, 3-3 three for three from three-point land. But in, early in the first quarter and in the third quarter when the Bucks blew this, this one away, Dante DiVincenzo, 11 points, five rebounds, four steals. When I talk about the deflections, when I talk about the Bucks turning defense into offense, DiVincenzo, four steals. And the other guy, George Hill, had three steals of his own. Ilyasova added 13 points. Pat Connaughton added 13 points. This was the Bucks' depth, completely overwhelming the Clippers team. And, and what a memorable game. This one is right up there. I had to throw it in. 
with the Lakers game, though, because this one was also a whole lot of fun. The Bucks beat the Lakers 111-104. Many will remember this game as the game that Giannis crowned himself after hitting another three in the fourth quarter that really sealed the game. Giannis finished with 34 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists. He was five for eight from three-point line, a career-high five three-point makes. Again, this was one that was on national TV. It was talked up all week. The caveat I always say with this game for the Bucs, and this is why regular season wins are sometimes hard to qualify or hard to know how much you take from the Lakers around the end of a very long road trip. They're a little bit banged up. Excuses for sure. The Bucs overwhelmed them. And while it was 111-104, this game was nowhere near this close. The Bucs blew them out. Anthony Davis actually had a pretty big night for the Lakers. Finished with 36 points, 17 free throw attempts. And in the third quarter when the Lakers were trying to make a little bit of a move, that was the reason why they were able to get back into the game because of the 17 free throw attempts. But again, you talk about atmosphere and fire set forum. You talk about an epic Giannis performance with the 34 points. George Hill. Hat tip to George Hill, 21 points, three for five from three. And again, this is a guy, George Hill, that I, I, I've said, you know, right from late last season through the playoffs in this season, you just love him in big moments. I know he's always remembered for that free throw miss in the NBA Finals, but this was another game where he stepped up big time when the Bucs needed him off the bench. And what a security blanket he's become for this team and such a vital player. So that's it. That's my top five. So just to recap what I went through there, Number five, opening night in Houston. Number four, the game against Utah, where, yes, the Bucs lost, but it was memorable for a, bu- a number of reasons. Number three, Chris Middleton's 50. Number two, Giannis is 50, plus other ridiculous performances. And then number one, the two wins over the LA team. So, hey, like I said, from the top, tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I needed to be better. And we can, uh, I'm happy to discuss some of these other moments. Remember, at Locked On Bucks, you can get us on Twitter and also at Kane Pittman. But don't. Be shy there. I know you guys aren't. You know I love the interaction on Twitter. And again, I really appreciate you guys listening. I said from the top, this is all I got now. So Frank, unfortunately, is going to have to put up with me messaging him a lot about the podcast because this is, this is the only job I have left. So I'm hoping to still bring you guys good content. I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. And more importantly, I hope everyone is able to look forward and understand that things are going to be better soon and we just have to hang in there together. And hopefully this podcast is helping people do that. As always, I want to mention another podcast on the network, Chad Ford's Big Board, Draft Talk, still heating up. We're seeing a bunch of interesting moves uh, with guys going to the G League instead of playing NCAA basketball, instead of maybe coming to my homeland in Australia and playing the NBL like LaMelo Ball did and RJ Hampton. But there's plenty of draft stuff to cover, so make sure you listen to Chad Ford's Big Board. But as for Like Dumb Bucks, like I said, Alex Lazary tomorrow. That's going to be a fun chat. Make sure you check that one out. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves, and I'll speak to you guys tomorrow.